You are listening to episode 123, or Ryan123, of the Game Deflators Podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators Podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we play dirty in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. Not to set high expectations, but we played Mutant League Football this week on the Sega Genesis. So, uh, Ryan and I, how long ago was it? About a month ago? Maybe a month and a half ago? We were doing this whole, like, I guess whenever the Super Bowl is taking place. We, we played, four like, weeks. four yeah. weeks of football games leading up to the Super Bowl, and then I was gone for the Super Bowl, so we didn't actually get around to playing this one, actually. Doing this game, now. So, we, we played it now because we played the sequel, and we'll tell you all about that in today's yeah. Inflation Deflation Challenge. Exactly. Um, well, as always, we like to start out with recent pickups. I see my page is blank, but that is not what I have currently via the computer screen. I actually picked up Killzone 2, 3, and whatever the other one is. Uh, Shadowfall on the PS4. So, Killzone. I enjoyed the first one when I played it on PlayStation 2 many, many years ago. I remember vividly playing the trailer on the PlayStation 3 for number 2, but I never got around to playing it. For whatever reason, I just never picked it up, didn't play it. Now I can play it. So, I think I played a PS Plus Vita game that was Killzone? Yeah, they, I think it was like, was it Liberation or something? I don't remember. I don't know. That's I've never played any Killzone. Killzone for me will always be that game that had that really amazing trailer and everyone was like, what? That's what the game looks like? That's no way. That's insane. And then it was not what the game looked like. It yeah. Was, I think, like, the first first time I really encountered, like, Bullshot. Well, it was initially touted by a lot of fans as, like, Sony's answer to Halo. It never was. Like, it really wasn't. It had, like, the orange goggles, right? Like, the bad guys have orange eyes, the way Sam yep. Fisher has green eyes. Yeah, that was like itch thing. It's a super cool concept. Like I enjoyed the story on the first one, and like I said, I played. I I might have honestly beat the second one years ago, like as a rental. I don't remember. It's been so long. So I was initially trying to get the trilogy so I could play number one again and just kind of go through it. But I'm not going to pay sixty dollars when I can just buy, you know, the other three games for like thirty. It doesn't make sense to do that. Are they good? Do you think they'll ever be like? Here's an HD remake. Of Killzone 1, 2, and 3 on PS5. They did do an HD remaster of number 1. Oh, really? On the PlayStation 3, yeah. So, I mean, whether or not it'll be on, like, PS5 and everything, who knows? I mean, I I don't see why it wouldn't be on PlayStation 5 down the road. They did release one of them on the PlayStation 4, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure. All I can say is it was initially touted as a Halo killer by Sony fans... And it just did not live up to the expectation. I didn't think it lived up to the expectation when I played the first one. And uh, Justin, you know, when we were playing a lot of Halo, he was a big Microsoft fanboy at that point in time. And when he saw Killzone, he's like, this is super clunky compared to, you know, Halo and kind of that, you know, streamline type of feeling you get while you're playing that. You just don't get that with Killzone. So uh, we'll see, man. I'm more or less buying these for the single player component, not any sort of multiplayer. Which, of course, on two of the PlayStation Three games, I'm I'm not going to get multiplayer. So, uh, but yeah, those are my pickups. And then I also picked up uh, my brother's Magic collection, actually. So he is uh, he was selling some stuff and decided he wanted to sell his entire collection, and I went ahead and picked that up from him. So good pickup on that end. A lot of good cards and uh, 
you know, I had that recent pickup from Justin, what, several months ago, and uh, I still haven't gone through that, so now I just have to kind of combine both collections and organize and do a whole bunch of stuff around that. But because I'm going to be moving in several weeks, I'm hoping the new house has enough room to, like, just kind of sit all my cards out and organize and such, more so than I would have had before. And then I can start slimming down on that collection, so I've only got playsets. Getting versus. a bigger house doesn't mean you're going to have a bigger table. Uh, Unless you're buying a bigger table. The office where we're going to have this desk set up and everything is probably a good... This is like a 10 by 10 room. That's more like a 15 by 15 or so. So are we going to have a table? You know what? That's actually not a bad idea. We'll see. we got to look at it. i got to figure out floor plan stuff, how I want to handle things. I'm going to spend all John's money on a new podcast studio. Well, that or uh, we use a loft because I got a loft now. So that'll be nice. Dude, imagine all the games lined up. Perfect. With well, machines. yeah, but I, I don't know. Don't you have to record in like a closed area? Yeah, that's why the office will just have the podcast stuff. Yeah. But the loft will have all the games. All stuff. the games. It'll be so much less pretty to look at. Like, I get to avoid looking at John and look just to his side and see all his games. Yeah, don't worry. I'll have some posters or something up. Maybe I'll just take a picture of this wall and hang it up behind you. That'd, be, that'd actually be pretty funny. Just frame like a nice photo of, yeah, my, of, of the collection. other room. Yeah, yeah, that's what I look at every day now. Uh, well, yeah. So those were my pickups. And uh, what did you pick up? I see quite a few things. So PlayStation Plus came and it came hard with Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Revenant or Remnant from the Ashes, and Farpoint. Farpoint's like a VR game, so who knows if I'll ever be able to play that. Remnant, I've heard about. It's kind of like it's a... That's like an RPG, isn't it? It's like a third-person action RPG that's supposed to be, like, have okay, cool bosses and, like, kind of a neat world, but it's definitely kind of more like a double-A kind of game from what I remember hearing, but worth checking out if you're into that kind of setting or gameplay. Um, and then Ratchet & Clank is just free. On PlayStation, it's not PlayStation Plus, it's, it's just, just free. free. Huh. So this is the 2016 one, so I think it's... This is a remake. Like, the rest of the month, you could just go and get the game for free, and you just own it forever. Not remake, this is a remaster of the first one, right? This is the one that they came out with in 2016 that, like, tied in with, like, the movie. Well, the movie's based on, I think, the first game. Yeah, like, it's not a shot-for-shot remake, I don't think, but it's, like... Gotcha. Well, I mean, I might as well grab it, especially if it's free. And I have PlayStation Plus again, so I'll get all of these as well. This will be my pickup next week. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, well, we, uh, let's get into our currently playing. Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. nothing. Oh, yeah, you got Man, I have played nothing. I, I haven't played a video game except for over here since maybe Resident Evil 4. That was like a few weeks ago. Yeah. God, man. It's already almost April. I really got to start playing Persona, people. Uh, this yeah. is this is quickly spiraling into into Chaos. a lifelong work. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have not started Conquers yet. However, my intention was to start Conquers as soon as I moved, and since that'll be occurring in the next month or so, I will definitely start Conquers pretty soon. I do want to play those Killzone games, but I do understand we need to play my you know new games resolution of 2021 and uh, stick into that. Unlike some people on this podcast. I wish who, I could just throw the towel in and just play something else because it's like it almost stops me from playing other games knowing that I should be playing Persona and instead of just don't play anything. So what was your you were going to play Odyssey, right? Odyssey, yeah. 
I'm trying to think like maybe uh, those on social media, those who listen to us, you know, on those Twitters and Facebooks and Instagrams at the game deflators and at the game deflators can give a few suggestions on how we can punish Ryan and what he must play outside of Blue's Clues. Maybe, play maybe I should at least take Odyssey because like at least if I play that, I'm doing something positive. It's a good game. You'll enjoy it. Okay. But so here's the thing. Uh, we need to figure out a punishment for you. If you are not to finish Persona, maybe it's like all of Blue's Clues. Yeah. Like how long is Blue's Clues? We got to look up how long to beat. I, maybe I have to play as much Persona as but of Blue's Clues. 70 hours of Blue's Clues. <laughs> Wait, you played 70 hours of that game? No, it's supposed to be 70 hours Persona. Oh, no. How much have you put into Persona? Like 16. Okay, so 16 hours of Blue's Clues. I think, uh, you know, all right. Uh, no, I got the perfect punishment. So we'll still wait for social media to see what they say. There's still However, a chance I might do it, too. Uh, you know what? But there's the There's still chance. eight months left. We're taking precautionary measures here on the Game of Flaters podcast. So I'm thinking Blue's Clues, Winnie the Pooh, and uh, the Spice Girls dance game might be a good option here for you to play. Can I just try to understand Kingdom Hearts instead? <laughs> no. Uh, okay, so Blue's Clues Punishment. We'll see what social media says, but I think as a backup, the Spice Girls video game, I think I still have it, and uh, the other one I mentioned, Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Pot Challenge or whatever it's called. This will be good. I'm, I'm enjoying 2021 and all your right. failures that I get to make fun of so all the time. So, would you play this week, John? Uh, take a guess. Apex Legends. I played Apex Legends. God, how is it? How is, uh, like, the chaos thing? Is that it's cool? It's so stupid. I hate it. I hate it so much. It's so dumb. Like, it seems cool. It's so stupid. It's not even worth playing. I've been playing uh, ranked because I don't like it. Oh, really? So now I'm a gold rank. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm level four, which is the lowest you could be on gold. And it's so hard to move forward after that. And I have such shitty teammates every time. And they've also installed, or instilled... Solo queue? Uh, what's solo queue? Like, no party fill? Like, you just can launch solo? Oh. Instead of launching as a three and then dropping out? Of, oh, no. like, their party and just solo dropping? Oh, they got, no, I, no, that's not what I was thinking of. I was thinking of, now, if you quit in the middle of a game, you get a ten minute penalty. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I don't know if that was ranked only, because the other day I was like, alright, I'm done. Is like, that even if you're, like, dead? No, like, yeah, even if you're dead. Like, like if your respawn queues out, then yeah, you're good to quit. Like, that's not a problem, because it ended. Obviously, you don't want to, because you want to get the points. So if your team is still performing well, just two people, just stay in, because you get the points, right? But, uh, yeah, so I noticed the other day, I was kind of like... I, I ended up dying, and I was pretty far off, and my teammates decided they were just going to screw around and not come and get me, right? Even though there was no enemies around. And so I was like, screw it. Like, I'm just going to quit out. And that was it. Like, that was going to be my last match anyway. So I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll quit out and I'll go. Right when I quit, it's like, uh, it's not fun to leave your friends alone in the battle or whatever. So here's a 10-minute penalty. And you can't play anything until the 10 minutes are up. I was like, damn. So that's uh, that's a pretty hefty penalty, actually. If you're, like, really deep in the apex and you quit out, you know, like, that, that hurts. See, I could see now the huge advantage for, like, uh... Is it the PS5 or is it the Xbox that has, like, the quick resume feature where you can have, like, multiple games, like, running, and you can oh. just switch between them? Yeah, I think it's that one. I think it's Xbox. Okay, yeah. Like, boom, right there. That's that's what that feature was invented for, getting around time penalties. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Because <laughs> you just let that run for 10 minutes and jump into another else. game. Well, what I ended up doing is, like, I, I turned it off anyways. I'm like, I'll just yeah. watch The Simpsons at this point, which I'm on, like, season 22 now, by the way. It's gotten weird. Dude, I know. I've done it. There's a there's a video that I'll show you that you should watch about that. It's uh, super eye-patchable if he has this long video on, like, the death of The Simpsons and, like, how the zombie Simpsons took over after season, like, nine or whatever. Yeah. But I watched, like, like basically like you, I watched, like, all of it, and I was just like, you know, it doesn't really get bad enough to stop watching, but it definitely changes over time and becomes something wholly different. Well, and, like, right now we're kind of in this era 10 years ago where, like, PC culture wasn't where it is today. So some of the things I'm watching, like, interesting. Like, they're showing, like... Homer and Marge in one of the episodes was watching her day were playing with sex dice. You know, I was like, that's kind of weird. Like, I don't, I didn't expect that to come up. And, you know, given it's on Disney Plus as well, you don't expect it to be on there either. Right. But, yeah, like, it's it's gotten interesting. But, yeah, so I played Apex this week, and uh, I had some fun with it. I haven't been able to play with the teammates I've usually played with. They haven't been online. Um, and I've won several matches, you know, over the last week, but... It's just, I don't know. Once you get into gold rank, it gets super hard, dude. And then, like, some of the players that I've been playing with, they're just terrible. You know, you drop down and everybody's dead right away. I was in a match the other day where I had, like, four kills right off the bat, 600 and something damage, like, within the first two, like, within two minutes, that's what I did. And my teammates died, like, right off the bat. So it's just me, and I'm trying to, like, as a lifeline, come in and revive them. And it was damn near impossible to do anything. Uh, and so I, like, there was one team, like, that was firing on one of my guys, I came up behind him, took out two out of the three, and then the other guy came up, died next to me, and I couldn't revive him in time, and a Pathfinder killed me, like, I literally almost took out an entire squad by myself, Mm -hmm. right, like, directly in front of me, but it's just these teammates I'm playing with have not been that great, Yeah. so, it just kind of sucks, um, all right, so that is what I was playing. No trivia this week because, well, we have been busy and I've not thought about trivia. Admittedly, our trivia is probably pretty pretty bad trivia usually. It, it usually is pretty bad trivia. So maybe we'll come back to you with some crappy trivia next week. But in the meantime, you can go ahead and uh, check out our podcast on thegameinflators.com. And, of course, if you're listening to us on a podcast application, awesome on you. There's also other podcast applications you can listen to us on. Being, uh, let's see, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Overcast. Uh, what's our friends over at Grief Burrito? There's, um, oh man, uh, I forget the name of it. Hold on. I got it on my phone. I got it on my phone. Don't worry. Don't worry. It is Cephalopod. Cephalopod is their application. So go check that one out. Put your podcast on there if you got one too. All right. Our articles this week. This week we are talking about the PlayStation 5 being the fastest selling hardware. Ah, hardware, hardware platform in U.S. history, along with the DualSense leading all-dollar sales and accessories. The PlayStation 5 uh, will not be getting future Bethesda games, as uh, we have heard recently, and a Nintendo Switch prototype leaked online. So, let's get started with uh, the fastest-selling console. This is uh, James Lara at MP First. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this? Okay, so this article here is... A little article and then a bunch of screenshots of some Twitter showing some numbers, a bunch of charts with top sales performance stuff. I think it 
it's funny that it's like PS5 currently, you know, and then the first one that they show you is February for Nintendo. Yeah, like it's multiple things like Nintendo, Call of Duty games. It yeah. just goes down a random list of other stuff. Not a very well like set up article, I'll say that. Yeah, but um it gives you an idea of what's going on, so like, let's take a look at PlayStation platforms, February top 10. Um, Call of Duty Black Ops is leading the way. Marvel Spider-Man. Persona 5 Strikers just came out. That shot up to number three. Um, I mean, most of the stuff on this list is is the same stuff that's been out on this list for a while. Little Nightmares 2 came out, but that only broke into the top 10. Yeah, I've heard good things about that too. Yeah, it's I really supposed to be really it. good. Yeah, that's one that we should play together, man. Like that's that's a super easy game to get through and super short, or at least number one was. So then, um, let's see. Do we actually have? Did they actually provide PlayStation Five figures on there, or just said it was the fastest selling? Because I don't recall seeing that. Mm, I don't believe to go to the part where it actually has like the console stuff, but. Yeah, it just it just really isn't well written. So, here's the deal: PlayStation Five currently is the fastest selling hardware platform in U.S. history, which is kind of crazy given you know we're in the middle of a pandemic and uh, the supply chains have been screwed up, and you know nobody can get their hands on one. I I do wonder if a lot of it just happens to be that there's a lot of scalping going on. So like regardless, these consoles are being sold the second that they hit the shelves. But I mean the same could be said about the Xbox Series X and Series S. Well, like, I have been seeing a lot more articles, and I don't know if it's just the trendy new thing to do is to post articles that are like, Best Buy, getting PlayStation in stock this week. Target has PlayStation in stock today. And Xbox. And it's like, okay, like I didn't see this ever before like a couple weeks ago, and now the word started to get out there that maybe they're starting to hit the streets a little more often. Yeah. Or the announcements are at least coming out so that... I mean, you would hope that the best way to counteract scalpers is to use physical retail or better software. But like knowing that these announcements are happening and hopefully that they're actually showing up in locations and giving people a chance to get out there and get them... That's a good thing. Um, I know that I had been talking for a while saying that I thought that April would be like kind of the new street date good time. And then Xbox came out and was like, no, probably not till like June-ish, you know, sometime in the summer. So who knows when when we're going to be away from that. But I mean, nothing's stopping anything from rolling out anytime soon. You know, pe- people still want their PlayStations. Yeah, I'm trying to find... Uh vg charts here because they usually have some data around this stuff so here's one from what is this week 13 sales ps5 versus ps4 launch comparisons so the playstation 4 is actually which is weird because several weeks ago i mean we're talking you know two three weeks ago almost the playstation 5 was sitting at about let's say 5.2 million is what it's showing on here and then it has uh, the PlayStation 4 sitting at like 5.3. So basically the gap was really only about, based on this, you know, like 120K for a while, several weeks ago. So the fact that it's outselling the PS4 right now uh, is actually pretty phenomenal because the PS4 has some great numbers. I think lifetime's like 100 and what, 120 or so million, at least last time we checked. 
So it's got quite a bit of uh, sales already, and I think that's that's pretty insane given the current situation. Yeah. Yeah, and then, uh, of course, not to be left out, the uh, DualSense on here is leading all dollar sales for accessories. But, I mean, these controllers, and this is a crazy thing, like, these controllers are just so expensive nowadays. So I think at the end of the day, it's kind of like, you know how they have older movies, and they're like, oh, well, based on inflation, this movie is like the best-selling or best-seen movie in all of history. Like, what is it? uh, Gone with the Wind is normally like top of the list Avatar and everything. But they're like, yeah, Avatar had like $2 billion billion in sales when it came out. And they're like, well, Gone with the Wind, based on inflation, would have X amount. I think we're going to start seeing a lot more figures like that down the road where it's like, because we're we're not really at that point, right? Like, those are movies from the 50s and 60s and such and earlier that had like crazy sales that they're comparing to, which you think about it's like a 70... 80 year history, you know, tied to these things from like way early on. So I think gaming is going to start getting to that point where we have a lot of those weird figures, right? Well, gaming sales are so bizarre too, because like, as far as, as far as numbers, like it went from such a niche, like being not in a niche, like one of the most popular, like kids toys kind of crazes ever. So it was like huge, but I mean, it was still less numbers than people today, but the crazy thing that's going to throw all those figures off is just the pricing because things were so expensive back then, and with that inflation are even more expensive now. Like, people forget that, you know, games didn't used to be $50. Like, we remember when they were $50, but like... Back in the 80s, you could go buy a game for like 120 bucks, 180 bucks in 80s money. Yeah. Which is insane. Like, I remember playing uh, or grabbing, what was it? Super Nintendo games for like 60, 70 bucks. At least that's what I recall the price point being. So, I mean, that's what the price was back then. So, if you do take those numbers and account for inflation, it's ridiculous yeah. how much it's worth. So, yeah, I mean, it's not like movie theaters were back then. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, you get a nickel. Yeah, a nickel or a dollar to go see this movie. And now it's like 15. And- we went down to the penny theater. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there were. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that's a good business model. Let's open up a penny theater out here in Arizona. So yeah, but I mean, if you look at it nowadays, yeah, so seventy bucks for a video game. We're in that current set of time, right? So like seventy bucks now versus seventy bucks then, and you start accounting for inflation. Like it's going to be interesting to see those figures as people start comparing like the most revenue earned by a certain console or certain game franchise over time. Mm-hmm. So. Be interesting to see that. All right. Well, uh, enough about money because Ryan and I don't know that much about money. Uh, let's talk about the PlayStation Five not getting Bethesda games. This, this is by Vic Hood, by the way, at Tech Radar. Mister Vic Hood. Uh, the one thing that I will say is that it's a catchy title for your article, but I mean, he says they say right in the article, and they said right in the discussion that they had that um even in the future there may be things that have contractual things or legacy on different platforms that will go do so it's like i know that people are worried about bethesda stuff going away this is mostly just about bringing bethesda games to game pass and bringing more people to game pass through that like whether or not they're going to make, you know, Elder Scrolls 6 exclusive or not, or, you know, 
Starfield or whatever, like Starfield doubtful because that's already so far along and it's probably going to show up on PS5. Maybe they'll do like a timed exclusivity thing. Like I'm, a, I'm assuming that most Bethesda games are just going to be like first best on Xbox and then everywhere on uh, and PC and then everywhere else later and reduced down or lacking certain features or just not free to people that have game pass. Like I, I wouldn't sweat what, you know, Bethesda game is coming out five years from now today because of this interview. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't think it speaks to the future hard enough for anybody to get worried about it right now. Well, and, you know, you're right. They said contractual obligations are obviously going to have to go through and those games will be released on those consoles. I do wonder, though, if, based on those contracts, if they have to continue doing updates and all of that over a certain period of time, like most companies will do, or most publishers. So... Well, they're still the studio. The studio still made those games, so the studio's still going to have to stick behind that. Yeah. Things like Deathloop are... A little bit more, I'm wondering, like, well, will that stay a it, PS5 exclusive or will that come out on Xbox in a year? Because that game looks pretty cool. Yeah, so I was reading in that article that Deathloop is coming to the PlayStation 5, of course, due to those contracts. But it doesn't specifically call out if it's going to come out to the Xbox or Game Pass as well. It wouldn't surprise me if it's a timed exclusive exclusivity uh, because that's what we've been seeing a lot of. Uh, also... Um, you know, you're right. I mean, this is more so along the lines of bringing things over to Game Pass, which in a sense isn't necessarily exclusive to Xbox. It's exclusive to Microsoft. Yeah. And a lot of gamers nowadays have good PCs. Like, there's games that they want to play on PC if they can't get on consoles. So, realistically, I don't think this really does anything There's lots to... of people building nice PCs because they can't get a console. Yeah, so I don't... Yeah, I know. That's... Which, hence the GPU issue, too. So... I don't necessarily think that this is going to hurt like the PlayStation 5 sales like we've noted and I don't think Bethesda in general has that much of an impact on like future PlayStation 5 sales cuz most PS5 gamers know I'm going to get whatever exclusives on my console so I'm not worried well, about and it. And they've never worried about Bethesda being a console exclusive seller cuz it's always been multi-platform. Yeah. So but what's interesting though and why I bring all of this up is I've seen recent reports of like God of War is going to be coming to PC. Like the most recent one, uh, Bloodborne is another one. Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn coming, but as that well. doesn't mean coming to Xbox. It doesn't mean coming to Xbox, but it does mean hitting the the PC, which again is kind of like, is Sony doing this because? I mean, these are older games, obviously, right? They've been out. They're just since, trying to squeeze as much yeah. money out of things that they don't have to pay to make again. Yeah, they're trying to squeeze as much money. I think another part of it too is trying to lure PC gamers who may be exclusive to PC or Xbox to get a taste of those exclusives that Sony has offered for so long and allowing them to come, not allowing them, but trying to get them to kind of come over to the yeah. PlayStation 5 side. And it makes sense because at the end of the day, if it's like, you know, if there's a cool, R or not RPG, but a cool game that's coming on the PlayStation 5, and for me to play it on PC, I have to wait till four to five years after the fact to be able to play it. Why, like, why wait that long? Yeah. That's a good... I mean, I obviously haven't played God of War, but at the same time, like, why would you want to wait that long if you, like, eagerly want to get your hands on that game? Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. So, 
yeah, I, I'm interested to see how all of this turns around uh, in the next few years uh, as far as Bethesda games are concerned. I definitely want to see if it does have an impact on the PlayStation 5 sales. My prediction is it doesn't. And uh, overall, I think it was a good move by Microsoft to get, you know grab Bethesda, but at the same time, I don't think it's like... Yeah, if they would have done like EA... I think that's significant. Yeah. You know, like EA being exclusive to Xbox Game Pass would be ridiculous. And Microsoft can do it. I don't see why they couldn't. So, all right. Our next article here is a Nintendo Switch prototype leaked online recently. And this is Tyler Fisher at comicbook.com. Um, so this is a one year before the Switch Switch. And some things have been switched out on this Switch. As you'll notice, the volume Switch has been switched. Care to have any more switches added to your switches? Uh, th they switched out the screws, too. They switched out the screws? Yes, yeah, so you can see that they've got tri-wing screws instead of little Phillips heads. Well, and the like volume rockers have up-down arrows instead of plus-minus signs, which I think is a smart move. Who wants their volume buttons to have up-down arrows? That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, it makes sense, because, like, if you turn it around, you're like, which way's up, which way's down. So I, I totally get it. It's, it's all like, relevant. Yeah, it is all relevant. So there's not really a lot going on here other than this exists and somebody has it and they looked at it and it looks slightly different. Well, here's the cool thing, though, is what kind of collectability do you have for a prototype of this nature? You know, But I think there's a lot of prototypes that hit the market for like older consoles. They're worth quite a bit. It just depends on how many of them are available. Because, yeah. I mean, they're obviously going to be a very exclusive number of them. And the number of them that are ever going to reach public hands like that. So, I mean, I, I don't think this is stuff that usually even sees sales. This is stuff that goes into somebody's private collection and it stays there basically forever. Because they're not the kind of person that's ever going to give it up. Yeah. These are things that, like... I'll be really interested to see what happens in the next generation after, like, the people that have collected up all of these crazy treasures are like, okay, you know, sorry, Grandpa, I've got all your stuff now, and I'm going to sell it on the internet, and we're going to uh... see, like, all this crazy stuff come out that people are going to be like, oh, my God. I didn't know that they made Halo for Game Boy Advance and just never released it to the public. What was Nintendo thinking? Uh, dude, like that that moment right there just kind of scares me to think. If I have a child and they inherit all of my video games and give it to their child, they're going to look at this and look at it as if it was Atari because we're going to have virtual reality where you don't need headsets. You just pop into a little booth and you can play. And they're going to look at my Super Mario and wonder what the hell I was thinking when I was younger. Have you seen the videos of... Flat the, thinker. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I'm a flat earther, apparently. Uh, have you seen the videos of those kids that, like, have the Game Boy? And, uh, they're trying to touch screen it? Well, they're trying to touch screen it, but then there's some that are playing and are like, people thought this was fun. <laughs> like, these aren't very good graphics. Like, why would you like this? People paid money for this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. The youth, the youth is terrible. It's so If you're painful. a youth, let us know. On our Facebook And I'm not going to put an age on that. I'm just saying, if you're a youth, let us know if you're listening to old men talk about the game deflated. Or about <laughs> talk about the how much players. video games cost. It's Gen, or Gen Z. Right. People that are listening in. I don't think we have many 
at all. Middle, uh, and middle they, millennials like us. If they are, they're probably just like taking notes. This is how I don't want to waste my life when I'm older. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, this The one thing I will say that this article kind of reminds me of, and I was talking to John about it a little bit earlier. If you guys haven't seen, go check out the Digital, digital Foundry video on Dinosaur Planet. They recently got their hands on like a like a version of Dinosaur Planet 4 N64 before it was all scrapped and turned into Star Fox Adventure on GameCube. And it's really interesting to see the differences, see how much carried over, uh, hear from like somebody that worked on the game a little bit, knows about the history to be like, you know, this is kind of like what happened and how it went. It's really cool to see stuff like that for me more so than it is to see stuff like this. Like, cause I, I mean, I guess it's cool, but it's not like it's the, the Nintendo PlayStation. Yeah. Like the Nintendo PlayStation was like, Oh my God, what? When I saw this article, my initial thought was we're probably going to see some like crazy ass controllers and stuff that just didn't make the cut. The banana. Yeah. Like <laughs> banana. The PS3 banana. Yeah. Just the PS3 half of or each boomerang. controller. Yeah. The boomerang controls. Boomerang, yeah. If you have, Oh my God, if you haven't seen those prototype controls and you're listening to us, go check I out. Go PS- to the guy's house that has that. Right, I, dude. Did, did they make those? Or was I don't know. It's either art? just a render, or I just, somebody <laughs> actually made it. Grief Burrito's probably listening. You guys should tag us on Twitter. Do go find it and let us know if uh, those actually existed. Kind of like when we uh, the Xbox uh, X system. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They tagged us on Twitter for that one. That, that was pretty funny. Uh, yeah. No, I, I seriously thought we were gonna see like some crazy dude, ass. That's an episode switch. we need to do. What like. Top five prototype consoles. prototype consoles or renders of consoles that you wish were the real one. Ugh, God, man, that take a lot of research on our part, dude. There was this one that I remember seeing. It was the PS3, and it had like a UMD drive on one side of it, so you could play like PSP games on it. I was like, oh my God, if they made that, that'd be so cool. Yeah, because I, I, I thought the PSP was the shit. Yeah, I absolutely love seeing prototype stuff like. Um, it was a PlayStation 4 proto- not prototype, but some of those renders that people come out with. So I remember seeing a PlayStation 4 render where it was literally like an orb. Like, it was oh just literally like a big ball. Oh, come on, like, Sphere. Like, who would who would want a... Con- like, why even render it that way? Like, why make a ball and think that that's going to work? Because the future the has no edges, John. I guess. Well, I mean... Yeah, I guess technically Sony. <laughs> the future the has been sanded down. The PlayStation so 5, that it doesn't hurt anyone. The PlayStation Five does have a lot of curves. I will give them that. Xbox did kind of give us a rigid box Xbox yeah. shape. Yeah, and they gave us an Xbox, which they've given us for countless generations that they've done that. Sony has always been really weird of how they shape their consoles, and Nintendo doesn't know what the hell they're doing with their consoles every time and controls. All right. Oh my gosh, I saw a list of. Like, funny ideas for names for, like, the next Switch console the other day. The Nintendo Switch. I like I like the Super Nintendo Switch. I do, too. And <laughs> there was one that was, like, uh, I think it was, like, the Nintendo Switch 358 over <laughs> days, <laughs> whatever, like, the Kingdom Hearts thing. Oh, I was thinking, like... Uh, well, in current times, Nintendo Switch 4K, but like whatever the resolution is for 4K, like that 2500 by whatever times 
you know, whatever, like, or what is it, like 4,000 something by 24 or whatever, taking that and that's the console name, like the Nintendo 4,450. All right, let's get into our uh, non-old man rambling, no, no, not really old man, uh, inflation deflation for the week. Inflation deflation challenge. So now you can listen to us just complain yeah, for a little while. that's true. We actually had fun talking just now about random shit. Now it's complain about Mutant League football and its controls. So Mutant League football, we played Mutant Football League. I, I guess? No, I don't remember what it was called. It's in my entertainment center. Yeah, Mutant League Football, Mutant Football League, whatever it was. Basically a reboot of this game. A remake. And, uh, yeah, so this one was developed by EA. It was published by EA. Mutant League Football Dynasty Edition was the one we played yeah, prior. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, so EA, publisher and developer. Uh, I cannot read what the hell that says. Is it Michael Mendheim? Yeah, Michael Mendheim, who was also the lead on... The remake one or the uh-huh. newer one that we played before. He was like, he was the guy behind the franchise. And then Alan Martin. And then this was released in 1993, and it is an arcade style football and unknown reception. So, hey, we're going to go ahead and give a review today. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything on the wiki about like what this was, how it was received. There was nothing about any of that. So, I guess either this like, flew away under the radar or just it wasn't quoted there and i didn't look anywhere else well let's give a out of 10 review today or our inflated deflated just oh, dude i can't do that and i could put it on wiki so when you put in a reception on here like what we give it i can go into wiki and i could put in our review uh, yeah but i can't give a game a, out of 10 for playing it like that I was barely playing it. I was pressing buttons and Well, then we're going to do our standard inflation, deflation, whatnot, and I'm still going to put it on Wikipedia. So once we note it, it'll go on Wikipedia. Okay. We'll spread our inflation, deflation all over the place. So anyways, the problem with this game was that, like all Genesis games, there's three buttons on the controllers, and you never know what any of them do. And Sometimes it's six. incredibly unreliable and t- stupid. That's my opinion, but so you know, if you're those, a Sega fan, whatever, maybe you can, your mileage may vary. For those new to listening, Ryan struggles pretty heavily with Sega Genesis games. I think it's probably the one constantly struggle with the most whenever we play. So It's, it's always, not in me. It's always fun. It's always fun. Uh, well, you know, what Ryan doesn't do, John does better. Yeah, it took it took John like... A quarter or two to like figure out how to play and then immediately begin stomping me into the ground well it doesn't help that like we don't have books for some of these games so we're just like screw it let's load it up and let's see what the controls are and like learn on our own which is kind of what you would get when you were a kid oh like, yeah you know, no if, kid went through the manual yeah if you were like in block which i guess it's kind of funny we go through it like we were children uh you know you'd go into blockbuster rent one of these games and blockbuster for those of you that are too young to understand is a store where it was yellow and blue and you'd walk in and there were games on the shelf you'd pick up and a man behind a counter would give it to you and you would have five days to return it or go through exorbitant fees and pretty much have to pay for the game in full uh so that being said uh yeah you'd go to blockbuster pick up a game and you didn't get a manual with it you just went home and just played that was it like if you were lucky it was the time when the internet was around and you could google stuff yeah no like i dude i wasn't i don't think i had internet when i was picking up cartridges and if we did it was like super minimal uh but yeah so that's how i felt with this and you know i so here's the thing like overall i was okay with this game and the reason was is because i see it as revolutionary for what it was 
Now, obviously, EA published and developed and everything, and then you have Michael Mentheim who you know led this project. But there are some elements of this that do translate into today's video games, and I think there's a lot that was borrowed from this model. Uh, one of the key ones being uh, not necessarily like play selection, but the audible process that's in there. Like you could straight up audible different plays, whether whether or not you knew what the hell the audible was is a different story. But you had that, and then because in games like this you didn't really have like that downfield type experience, like you know we played Tecmo Bowl and Blitz, and like you have the downfield component to it, but it's not the same as like this. This actually, you know, you press C to hike the ball, you go back, and then you press C again, and you're able to see the overall scope of the field and your receiver and what it looks like, and then pass to it. It, it was clunky, I'll give it that, but at the end of the day, like it was actually a pretty cool feature to be able to see where your receiver was and try to concentrate on somebody coming your way and like moving out of the way and like strategically having to pass the ball down to wherever you're passing it. And then also move your receiver in the right direction blindly actually made it pretty difficult, but in a good way, I felt like it was interesting. Like once I got used to controls, I was like, this actually isn't that bad. What kind of frustrated me while we were playing though is when I would call for a certain play and one of the receivers would stay like just standing. There was a lot of weird collision with the characters. Like sometimes you'd have like, uh, well, you'd have like one player that looked like it was open and you throw it and there's like five players surrounding them already. Yeah. Or, like, or like you'd stuff. be trying to like rush the QB and you'd be like wide open. And then if you just even clip somebody else, like that character just stops. Yeah all forward momentum whatsoever so like i i don't understand some of that stuff a lot of this is really just me kind of bouncing off these types of games i mean like i had a lot of fun with some of the other ones we played this was definitely not up there so much probably because of the clunkiness but i think that definitely people that are more invested in the genre uh could get a lot more out of this it did have a lot more of that you know that kind of personality although toned back to you know, what they could do with it at the time. Yeah. But I bet that if you played a bunch of this game and you got to kind of know the coaches a little bit, you know, you probably could get some, like, at least some endearment out of, like, what's going on and some of the, like, humor and stuff. I wasn't really paying attention. I was mostly just clicking through stuff. But some of their reactions and facial expressions and the noises they were making were goofy. Well, and, like, there's... In this game, like we had a Mutant League Football Dynasty, you know, you have your pits and rocks and other like things that are kind of there were around. like landmines, but I don't yeah. think any of us ran them over. Yeah, I don't think we ran over a landmine. Well, I mean, I think together we had like two and a half, two hundred fifty yards on one team, and then like fifty or sixty on the other team. Because midway through, Ryan and I swapped controllers to see like what the situation was. Turns out the team he was playing with was just really bad. I still scored two touchdowns, but I mean the other team, and I was after you know two quarters. The other team. I was up on Ryan like 29-0 to start, so hence was like, let's just switch these up and see what the situation is, and that, that ended up being a little fun. And it was like an all-star team, too. Yeah, well, I told you I was playing an all-star team, so I picked like five skulls for my team, and Ryan picked four, which obviously is going to be part of the reason why. Well, but I mean, like, there's only one five-star team. No, there were three. Oh, there were? Yeah, that's oh. what I was like, I'll play this one and you play that one. You're like, no, I'm going to play this one instead. Oh, they All had right. a skull on their helmet. Okay. They, they were called I, the Razors. I think they all had skulls on their helmets. Yours had three stars. That's true. That's true. But 
they were skeleton people, so it changed. It counts differently. Okay. Yeah, they had the they skulls inside in the this in the helmets. Yeah, so that's that's why it was different. That's why I decided on it. Not that I knew that beforehand, but I, I did, I guess. Um, yeah. So overall, uh, you know, good music. Controls were clunky, like you said. Clipping on the characters. There is a weird difficulty spike that comes with it. Because Graphically, it, is, it looked really nice. Yeah, yeah, the sprites were all very clear, and like they had a lot of personality. Yeah, I like that part. And uh, the dancing at the end with touchdowns. Uh, you the know, halftime show was well That was done. pretty interesting, yeah. I'd like to see if there's more like fields. Yeah. Because it specifically introduced that as like a sandy with rocks and traps and pits and stuff. So like I wonder if we were slow because we were playing in sand. Like I wonder if there's like a better version of this game that has like or a better level of this game that has like turf and maybe it's sped up a little more like you're getting a lot more movement. That's true. Something we didn't consider. It was always like why are my receivers not where they're supposed to be? And maybe it's just cuz it's taking them too long to get there cuz of some kind of yeah, but at the same time, that defense shouldn't be like right up on you if that's the case. Yeah, that's true. So, but yeah, it was interesting. Uh, okay, so uh, brass tacks here. We have the most expensive version is thirty nine fifty one the Sega Genesis. The cheapest version being the Sega Mega Drive, uh, which is really just a Genesis overseas. Uh, that one is fifteen seventy nine. Uh, so lucky, lucky on that end. And then uh, complete in box, we're looking at a thirty nine fifty one. Peaked at forty nine ninety nine back in October of twenty fourteen. That's holding steady, and in a loose copy right now, running about eighteen seventy four. That peaked at twenty five ninety nine back in May of twenty seventeen. That is also holding steady. Um, you know, this is tough, right? Because it's a unique game with it being mutant league football, and like there's mutant league hockey, and I think I want to say there's mutant league baseball, if I'm correct. Uh, so there's a couple mutant league games out there. And they're sought after to an extent, I mean, because of their uniqueness. But at the same time, like, was this good enough for 1874? Like, did the two of us have enough fun that we could sit back and say, let's play a game of Mutant League football? Take out the whole aspect of one person all-star team and the other didn't. Like, is this a game that you could see us kind of sitting back and saying, let's play a few rounds of this and have some fun? I just don't think so with the uh, Dynasty version that we played. Yeah, like there's a there's a newer, modern, better version of this and that has cheaper. more personality and is cheaper and more accessible. Like, I just think that this is maybe something for people that are trying to get all the Genesis stuff or people that are trying to get all the football games or all the games that have skulls in them. <laughs> Who would do that? All the games that have skulls in them. <laughs> I collect video games. What video games? All the ones with skulls in them. I collect Genesis games as long as they have a red case on the spine. There you go. A red spine. Uh, so, yeah. I don't know. It's a niche collector item for people. I don't think everyone needs to feel the need to own this one. You could turn that 18 bucks into a much better game. Yeah, or two games. Uh, let's see. So, at a loose price, I would say, like, if you found this for $15 and you were eager to play it, and this is a game you've always wanted to play, and you and your buddy are going to get back, and you're going to play this and have a good bit of fun. I think 15 bucks. If you remember the cartoon? Yeah. Like, I, I think if there's several, like, fond memories you have, if you find it for $15, definitely pick it up. Not at that peak in 2017. I don't know what the hell was going on then. It'd be $25.99. But, yeah, if you find it for 15 bucks. Definitely pick it up. I still think it's inflated uh, at its current price point. It is a sports Or game. if you want to pick it up because maybe down the road it'll get more expensive. Who knows? Like, yeah, but I mean, it's prospecting and, you know, 
40 bucks for a complete inbox Genesis game is yeah, nowadays not too bad. So, I mean, like, realistically, it wouldn't hurt. I'm just that. saying, like, it's it's holding steady right there. It's not going to go up anytime soon, but, like, if you anticipate wanting this in 10 years, I'd do it today, then wait. Yeah, that is my mindset, so I can't disagree with that. Uh, it did have a peak at 50 it's bucks. It's a hard recommend, though. Yeah, it really is. And I, I look at it more so on what I want to play this, I guess, than what I want to collect this. If you're a collector and you're missing this game or you want like all the Mutant League footballs, like you said, you're going to spend that 39 51 or 40 bucks, whatever it may be, to pick this up complete in box if you desperately want it, right? Here. What's the box look like on this? The box actually looks pretty sick. It's like all black and then it has like white in the middle where it has Mutant League football and then it has some of the players, if I'm correct. So, yeah, I think if you're a collector... Yeah, that's what I was talking about. It's like black on the spine. And yeah, stuff. that's a decent looking box. Yeah, it's a cool looking box. I don't I know mean, if the box alone is enough to make me want to spend all the extra money. No, I mean, you're literally looking at $21 on the clamshell box and the artwork. And I mean, like, if if you're a collector that 100% has to have, like, the original stuff, great. Like, go ahead and do that. But you could print this off pretty easily, too. And it wouldn't be hard to do it. Um... But yeah, yeah, the dude, Mega Drive so, cover. Oh, man, dude, that Mega Drive cover looks sick. Some of the Mega Drive covers are much better than, you know, the covers we have here and vice versa. But yeah, so I'm at deflate or inflated on this, dude. I think 15 bucks is a good price point to pick it up loose. If you're a collector, 40 bucks is not going to, you know, be abnormal to you. You're probably playing or paying that for a lot of games right now. Ryan, I'm guessing you're also on inflated for this one? Yeah. All right, so let's mark that as inflated. And um, we'll have to figure out what we're doing in the next few weeks. So uh, I'm going to be moving, of course, several weeks from now. I don't know exactly when. But we're going to have some pretty cool episodes lined up with some top fives and some versus type games. and Trying to do something different. Yeah, some really fun stuff. So we'll have those pre-recorded, of course, because uh, we got to do it beforehand. Uh, but I think those will be pretty cool. I think uh, our listeners will enjoy those. Anything else before we jump off? we got to figure out our game for next week. Which I'm kind of feeling kill zone, but or you know what? Hey, grab that top game right there on the Switch. Uh, it's it's literally that pile right there. I think we should just play that. Yeah, that one. I don't know how to pronounce that. Oh. Yeah. What? Ryan will Ryan will pronounce it. Umihara Kawase. Yeah. Fresh. Yeah, that one. So that game has apparently been going up in value as of late for like a new copy. I found it used on Amazon for like 15 bucks or 18 bucks. Exciting rubber band aid action. Or rubber band action. Yeah, it's apparently pretty decent. So I saw a friend playing it not too long ago. She got burgers. She's got burgers? Well, that makes it worth it. And that's like a whale with chicken feet? Yeah, I don't or know, dude. It's, it's flipping weird. So I think we should... I think we should pick it... Or not pick it up. That we should play that one next we week. We will play that one next week. All right, cool. We got our game for next week. All right, well, that being said, uh, this has been episode 123, or 123, of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. (laughs) I don't know what to say after that. Thanks for listening. Later, people.